Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast, where we talk to leaders in real estate on how they grow themselves, their people, their teams, and to really get a pulse on what's happening in the industry. Today, we have uh, Jan Rousseau with us here today. He's from New York City. Welcome to the program. Thank you. So that is, uh, we're in an interesting time. Number one, the year flew by. We're in December already and 2023 is coming. There's a, a level of nervousness with uh, agents and home buyers and sellers. What are you seeing out there? Um, as far as New York City is concerned for the market, it's pretty uh, calm, to say the least. Nice. Um, but it's, uh, it's a good a good period of time to recognize the uh, the strength of the new york market because basically despite the fact that you have low activity on the buyer side um, because of you know uh, economic tensions because of mortgage rates because of uh, you know a lot of different things like seasonality because 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 you know uh, but the reality is that the prices are not going down by by that much uh, just because particularly of the new york market is that the seller can wait like if it's if it's not the right time, it's just going to not list this property. It's going to take this property out of the market. It's going to wait for better days, which will come most likely, hopefully by spring or spring next year. So despite all this slowdown, uh, we don't see much on on pricing uh, on the pricing side. Interesting. It really kind of brings you the truth of the uh, supply demand kind of equation where, you know, other areas are panicking a lot and there's like major fluctuations and it's okay. A lot of people want to buy here. And if buyers aren't getting the right price, it's like, oh, I can wait. And if they can't wait, that's the market and it determines whatever the price is. So you've got a French accent. Is it uh, French French or French Canadian? Uh, French French. French French. So uh, has that been an asset or a liability for you? Uh, being here in the U.S. Um, well, for, I mean, it depends on the on the on the corporate level. I would say for my for my company for my brokerage, it's definitely an asset because we are we are the local uh, New York office for the number one brand in France. So basically, like we our bulk of our clientele comes from France or from uh, oh, French speaking countries in Europe. Yeah. Um, so that's this. And then as far as, as me as an individual uh, salesperson, when I, when I used to be one in, in Florida, um, it's not been challenging, to be honest. There is very, uh, very rarely times that I, I feel like they, they could have been an issue. Uh, kind of like picks the interest, the curiosity of people. Um, and they yeah. feel that maybe getting some sort of like a different approach um, to real estate. So uh, nice. I would say it was I... like an asset or like a negative point, but... I'd seen this movie once with uh, Matthew Broderick and Meg Ryan, and uh, there's a French gentleman from France, and him and Matthew Broderick become friends, and the guy's saying, you know, when I was in France, I was an ordinary guy. But with this accent, I'm a Superman in New York. This accent, like, really, really helps, uh, sets you apart, which is brilliant. So are you part of a team, uh, Jan? Uh, I, man I, manage the, uh, I manage the office. We have, uh, we have 25 agents now. 
25 agents. So when you look at your agents, uh, I suspect they would fall into two categories, A players and B players. Would that be a fair statement? I would go A, B, and C, to be honest. Not that the C players are necessarily bad. Absolutely. It's just the reality in any sales team. Yeah, um, but it's also like reality of commitment in, in our industry, the fact that they're all uh, ICA, I mean, independent contractors. Uh, some of them like take it full time. Some of them take it part time. Some of them take it like kind of like a, a hobby or they just here like to take care of like their family transactions or, you know, the random opportunity that, you know, generates itself once in a while. Um, but on the, uh, yeah, and then after that, on the A team, the people that do take this as, as a full-time occupation, uh, then you might have like different, different layers. Um, but I don't see, I mean, everyone that's doing full-time is kind of like successful in their own way. They just might have like a different approach and a different kind of clientele that matches with them or not, as opposed to the others. Here's my personal theory and, uh, please, you know, tear it apart, add to it, uh, Teams seem to fall into three uh, levels, A, Bs, and Cs. Let's say all full-time players in any company, real estate, wherever. My hypothesis is this, is that if you take a look at the skill sets of the A players and the B players, oftentimes they're quite similar. The only difference is the mindset of the A player is slightly different. So they're more tenacious, rebound faster, utilize the tools more effectively, that it's not a matter of skills, it's mindset. Any thoughts on that theory? Um. For me, like the different, the difference that I see with our agents is more kind of like the um, long-term versus short-term perspective that they might have. Um, some of them have more pressing needs, uh, and that could be financially, that could be patience, that could be also their age bracket. Uh, because someone who's like you know in the sixties or uh, like I don't really need that much to work this relationship on the long term and like hope to get like third generation buyers in 20 years so they mm. might have like a different approach in that regard um also culturally like well, a lot of our of our agents or our foreigners like me uh, so they all have like the different approach when it comes to sales i feel um and some are more indeed like short-termists um, I can like make sure I get like my immediate buck because I'm not sure what's going to be in a year and two years. Most likely my client is going to meet another agent or something like this. Mm. And you have the others that work the client like more on a, on a personal basis, the whole family for a long period of time. And so it's, it's kind of like the differentiation that I see within our team somehow. Interesting. So you have a different mindset, I would suspect, than the average American. How does that change your relationship with sales? Uh, is there a difference or is it like the methodology is the same? Or do you think you have a different uh, way you uh, show up to do a sales meeting than the average American? I would like bring it down to the nationality itself, more than the, perhaps the culture or the, or the continent, mm-hmm. maybe Europeans, because like we have a lot yeah. of open agents and I feel like there's more... Uh, um, the main difference basically to me and which is like to the detriment of the company as when we talk to Europeans is that they are less focused on making the deal right now to the best conditions that they can have for themselves or for the company. Mm. Uh, there's, there's like a, a, a larger like, kind of like distance and respectful approach toward the client where we'll do this on your terms at your own pace. Um, and, and sometimes like it's actually counterproductive to the to the success of that transaction at that time, and sometimes actually against the, the own interest of the client because the client 
and especially the one like the foreign investors or the, or the first time buyers or whatever, they need to have a little push at sometimes. They need to make sure that they need to see that you are confident in, in this transaction and that you, you, you're going to take them there. Because if you're too conservative and too uh, uh, can defensive or like, you know, cautious, mm-hmm. it actually like might not happen. And they will be working with someone that's like much more pushy uh, eventually. Interesting. So leading a team is, uh, especially of salespeople, is sometimes quite challenging. What would be uh, five pieces of advice you'd give uh, new leaders on how to lead a real estate team? You have to build it like in a, in a, in a diverse way. That's, that's one thing. You cannot have like the same profiles in your team because like the uh, our our industry, we have just the, the full spectrum of individuals that are that are buying, basically. Mm-hmm. We have the full spectrum of people buying. So basically you need to have a full spectrum of agents that can um, that can assist them, whoever, whoever that is. So that's one thing. Um, second thing, you have to be in, in this in this industry, I feel that you have to be constantly on your on your clients, and so you have uh, you have Don't to be constantly on, on the on the on the clients at the beginning to, to establish that relationship. You cannot like let it slip back too much because basically uh, they are being solicited by agents left and right. So you have to like establish yourself as their agent of kind of like agent of record almost, uh, and that's something that needs a lot of follow up and, and and energy. And that's the responsibility of the team leader to make sure that his or her their agents are like actually doing the job to qualify the lead and to, and mm. to get it. And, and number three, um, be very try to be very cognizant of the uh, of the the client's um, origin, culture, uh, behavior. Um, because again, like feel like the and that's why I'm like still not too concerned about you know eye buying or or our, our industry like being redundant. Uh, because basically, it remains for most of the people that the most important purchase, the most important um, expenditure overall of their life, buying a property. Yes. Uh, so they still need someone that they trust to be there at their side. Uh, and it's not going to go like you know buying a house online and everything. I don't. I don't think it's coming like quite yet. Um, so my point is that everyone has a different again, um, you know, anxiety or pace or approach or sensitivity to uh, you know details or. Uh, and that's something that you need to be able to read your client like very, very early on, and to adjust your approach uh, at the And I'm going to interject there, Jim. One of the ways to do that is to really find out. Uh, so tell me about your last home purchase, or tell me about your car purchase. How did that go? What did you like about it? How did you guys decide to move forward in the rapport stage of building that relationship? Asking those questions are perfectly legitimate, and you can actually get tons of information that lets you know how that customer likes to buy and what they need and how they make decisions. And oftentimes uh, we get so excited to try and get the listing, we miss those early opportunities to gather the data we need. Uh, would you agree, Jan? Yeah, uh, although it's, like, it's, very, it's two different exercises. Like, I mean, radically opposite to me, getting a listing and, and getting and presenting a buyer. Um, we are, we are, I mean, we have this, this chance here in the U.S. to be able to do both, um, uh, whereas in different countries, such as in France, we're on both sides, so it's very different. It's about like, getting the client more than anything. But here, like, the, the, the approach that I was dis- discussing before was really about the buying side. On the yeah, seller side, it's, it's, it's totally a different animal in the way that like, it's buyer confidence. And the same thing on the buyer side. How did you buy in the past? What made you decide? How did you make the decision? And people reveal a lot of that stuff quite easily, depending on how much they trust you and connect with you. And rather than trying to divine it and mind read, just ask. 
Yeah, and I'm always very um, curious about the uh, about the pace again of people uh, in in their real estate transaction. It's like, uh, are you? I'm I'm going to be here nonetheless, uh, but are you just kind of like looking around, or are you like really committed to buying? And then you see sometimes the couple, you're like, uh, one is like very excited, the other one is like, Ugh. or uh, you know, typical question is like, do you have a lease? When does it end? And they're like, oh yeah, we just like renewed for a year. Like, okay, so we have time. Have uh, you been to the bank? Have you like, like look at your finances and everything? And so the pace is like a good indicator on like kind of like the effort that you need to bring or like the level of commitment that you need to bring because mm -hmm. sometimes it's just about education at the beginning. So make sure that you educate them and they trust you and then you keep in touch regularly with them as opposed to like trying to show them like 17 properties right away and pushing them to put an offer because you see that they're not, they're just not ready. Brilliant. What was number four for you? Oh, let me space thing. Um, another one, but it's about buying the, by building the team, right? Um, so talk about diversity, talk about pace, talk about, you know, things. Um, I like to have teams that are, that are kind of like complementary in the way that it's, um, it's, it's an individual business somehow, uh, mm -hmm. but you want to be successful. You want to be able to kind of like be available most of the time, um, available most of the time, whether it is in terms of like time management or in terms of, you know, your, your, your competence, your, your intellect. Um, right. So you don't, some people are very good at, you know, first time home buyers, single family homes. Some people are very good with co-ops. Some people are very good with multifamily. Some people do commercial, some people don't. Um, one of the, of, of the assets of this profession, as far as the agents are concerned, is that you have a lot of flexibility. So you don't want to be also at the same time tied to, you know, working like every day and every evening and every weekend. So I feel when if you have a team that's like working well, then you have a lot of, you know, kind of like transparency and honesty between the agents and they bring their own dynamics. At least you're able to do like a full service to the, uh, to the potential clientele. Brilliant. And so, Jan, what's your biggest challenge as a leader? Like, what's one thing you're trying to improve on yourself to just take your game up? Um, it's like incentivizing the agents to actually make more money. Because basically, there is a, there's a fine line between motivating agents that are independent contractors and pressuring them on something that that it's not really your 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 purview somehow. It's the same as like pace with with clients. You like you. You want to see where your agent is at and you want to be able to assist, advise and, and somehow push him or her um, a little bit to achieve his goal. But it's it's hard sometimes and frustrating because you're like, you have a very good potential as an agent. Why don't you just do more? Why don't you work more? Why aren't you mm. more committed or more like consistent? And that's that's my biggest challenge. Somehow like pretty much losing... Um, I'm losing, they are losing business themselves because they're less, um, they're less committed in what I would like them to be. But I can't push them because they're not employees. Absolutely. It's kind of a fine line between, because uh, ultimate leadership is leadership without power. It's like the power of influence. And one of the things that I found is leaders have to do is sometimes your confidence in one of your agents helps them get confidence in themselves. Like they kind of borrow your confidence mm -hmm. to start moving forward and then when they start doing, they start getting more confident. I was uh, working with this jewelry store, the largest jewelry store in North America. And he was just saying the path of his sales agents is like, at one point, a $1,000 piece of jewelry is really big for them. And they kind of get that sale. They get some coaching around it. And then they go to the 5,000, the 10, the 100, the 500,000 pieces. 
but initially it's lending the confidence from their manager that really helps them kind of keep going and keep trying. And then before they know it, they're uh, masters at it. Yeah, I mean, I, I've had exactly the same experience with one of my one of our agents here that uh, she never did a multifamily, never. And like the first one was like very, uh, you know, um, intimidating, and uh, she had like a lot of things to learn and to discover. And now with the same client, she's on number three, and we like we have tripled the budget from the first acquisition. And now she's like, I got this. That's easy. So it was like the the, the initial one, and then after that, it's like hopefully the highway. Nice. So, Jan, who's been a mentor for you in this industry? Somebody that you've looked up to and gotten guidance from? Um, it was actually outside of the industry, to be honest. Strangely enough. Nice. Uh, it's even better. Yeah, because uh, I was uh, I was in um, I started in South Florida, and South Florida is very uh, kind of like individualistic in the way that that, that they do real estate as opposed to New York. I feel I feel New York like the brokerage is much more integrated. Um, and like, kind of like a team, for example, and everything in Florida, you really kind of like you take your license, you put it wherever, and then you're on your own. So, uh, uh, but it was uh, no, as a friend of mine is um, is a commercial uh, commercial banker, is is the um, manager of a of a commercial bank, um, and he's he's been doing you know private banking for uh, private banking commercial banking for like forty years, and it's it's really about this. It's like selling financial products basically. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's been very much advising me on how to talk to that level of wealth because that's kind of like the clientele that he has himself. Because um, when moving to New York was a kind of like different animal in terms of the purchase price and the type of clients we much wiser and much older than me. So, you know, can I get things out of it? One of the keys to being successful is finding that mentor. And there's mentors out there that are actually waiting for people to uh, bring on protégés. And I think it's uh, the fastest way to get better is to find someone that's already done it in the past. So Jan, before we part company, a couple of things. What brings you joy in the work that you do? Um, I'll say my agent success. That's pretty much, uh, that's pretty much it. I, I consider myself a facilitator more than anything. Um, and uh, give them you know, guidance and support. But uh, you see when they're actually closing a big transaction and when I'm cutting them their checks, that's makes you happy. Nice. And what's one mind hack, one technique you'd like to share with people, our listeners, viewers that would allow them to be more effective, more productive. What's that one mind hack you'd like to share? Something very basic that I, that I started doing a couple of, a couple of years ago, but it's, it's changed. Like my approach when I was an agent back then, it's a, it's a texting app on my computer. That's, that's, it might be like super basic, but most people that I know around me like don't have this. Uh, but since like communication right now is always like text or WhatsApp or whatever, I mean like those texting apps on the on the computer is just like a, such like a just more efficient. Oh yeah, it's a nice. Time it's enormous. Yeah, this yep. and um, and also like those um, you know the softwares that um, tell you if your the email you sent was open, when it was open, how often it was open, all these things. So that's. Um, Ah, two brilliant tools. Love that. Practical, tactical stuff people can use right away. Jan, before we part company, do you have a question for me? You get to be the interviewer for one question. Um, how's, it, how's the market, how's the real estate approach different in, in Canada versus the US? The biggest difference is you can't deduct interest rates okay. uh, from the mortgage. So it actually limits uh, buying power a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, Toronto is also a super hot market. And because it's super hot, it's kind of uh, not seeing the major deviations that other parts of the country are. 
but agents that uh, are focused on prospecting, keeping in touch with the customers, looking after the customer's best interests are making money in this market and doing transactions and deals. And it's down from where it used to be, but it's way better than everyone else. And I think that's the one thing I want our listeners to pay attention to, no matter what you do, real estate or outside, do the proven activities when times are tough, but especially do them when times are really, really good. Because oftentimes people get lazy in the good times and they're starving in the bad times. And people that are great, stay focused, do the job for the right reason, and do it consistently. Very nice. Brilliant. Jan, thanks so much for being on the program. I really enjoyed it. And I took down notes on how to help other people become better, stronger, faster. Thank you. Thank you very much. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming. And that is the fastest way to get better results.